Hi, this is Marcus, and I just want to welcome you to the Timbers Church Podcast. We're excited that you're here. One of the things that we aim to do is to add some value to your life, to your family, to our community, and our world. We do so by exploring the truths that come from God's Word. So start the journey with us and hit subscribe and check out this podcast every week. Now, let's dive into this week's message. How's everybody doing? You guys doing good? It is the new year. Happy new year. I guess that's how I should have started it, right? Happy new year. It is the first Sunday of 2020. 2020 is the year. We are living in the future and I'm excited about that. It's the time of the year also being the new year that everybody sets goals, right? The gyms are full. Has anybody ventured out to a gym and seen how packed it is? This is the time of the year that everybody, usually that first week is usually pretty packed, right? Everybody is starting new diets. You can watch Facebook and sort of see, okay, they're on a diet, they're on a diet, they're on a diet. You know, I just embrace this as my fat season. You know, got to get a little bit fatter during the winter to stay warm and then, you know, here in a look, couple months, and then I'll start really shaving it off. But that's just the way it works, right? And so we, we set these goals at the new year. Why? Why do we do this? It's because the calendar has graciously given us something special, a new beginning. It's the start of something new. And, and anytime that you have the start of something new, people get really excited to sort of create this new them. They don't realize they're still them. They're always going to be them. But they have this desire to achieve something, to set a goal, to do something big. And so then they go out and they say, I am going all in. So regardless if you set goals in the new year or not, it doesn't really matter. The series that we're going to kick off today is going to be something that I believe that's going to help you. Okay? If you did set goals, I think it's going to help you a lot. Right? If you didn't set goals, that's fine. This is still going to be something that's going to help you with life. And so we're going to call this series Road Signs. And so if you have a note card that you grabbed or something to take notes on, you can just write up at the top, write Road Signs. And you can write Part 1 because this is going to be a series. So we're going to start with part one today. If you have your Bibles, you can get them out now. Uh, or if you don't have a Bible, you can download the YouVersion Bible app on your smart device. And that is a cool way to have the Bible on you at all times. But open it up to Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7. We're going to be there in just really a few seconds. I'll give you a few seconds to get there. But uh, here's the deal. We're five days into the new year. And so being five days into the new year, year, if you did set goals, if you were one of those people that said, man, I'm going to do something big, I'm going to read the Bible more, I'm going to pray more, I'm going to, I'm going to lose some weight, I'm going to be on a diet, I'm going to exercise, I'm going to do, you know, better with my finances, I'm like, whatever it was, I'm going to spend more time, I'm not going to get mad at my family anymore, I'm just going to be all this, you know, new me. If, If you set goals, and then all of a sudden, five days in, have found yourself sort of falling a little bit, and you're like, man, I feel defeated, I'm not so sure I'm excited about a message that's going to tell me where to go, because I already feel like I'm in the ditch and uh, it just doesn't feel very good. I get it and I understand it and I hope that you were able to catch last week's message where we talked about our good intentions going back. And if you weren't there for that week, one of the things that we really talked about last week is when you have these really good intentions and they go bad and you trip up and you fall down and you're like, man, I just don't know. I had this good idea for this year, but I'm already out uh, off into the ditch. I've already taken a fall. The thing that we really addressed last year or not last. Yeah, last year. I can actually say that last year. What we addressed last Sunday 
uh, is this. We, we talked about how the godly still trip, okay? But when they trip, they get back up. That's the thing that separates the godly from the wicked. We looked at a verse in Proverbs. We looked at a lot of verses all over the Bible. But one of the verses that we looked at is how the godly may trip seven times, but the, God, but, but the wicked, they stay down. And so if you have found yourself over here in the ditch, it's okay. Pick yourself up. Get back on the track. Keep on keeping on. Don't wait till 2001, right? Let, let, let's get back up and let's get back in the game. So uh, if you didn't catch that message, maybe you can catch that message at some other time. All right. Let's get ready to dive into t- today's text. Proverbs chapter 7. It's going to be the whole chapter. And so rather than me read it and stumble with my poor reading skills, we're going to have you version actually read it to us. And so just sort of listen up. Watch the screen. If you don't have it on your Bible, you can watch your Bible. It's going to be the NIV translation. But let's turn it over to you version right now and let's listen to a story that is found in Proverbs chapter 7 starting with verse 1. Proverbs 7. My son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister and to insight, you are my relative. They will keep you from the adulterous woman. From the wayward woman with her seductive words. At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of the house at twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She is unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him, and with a brazen face she said, Today I fulfilled my vows, and I have food for my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you, I looked for you and have found you. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come. Let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. Let's pray. God, we want to invite you into this message to speak clearly to us. We pray, Father, Lord, that you open our ears to hear, open our eyes to see, open our minds that we might understand and soften our hearts so that we might be able to receive and give us the strength and the courage to put all that you speak to us today into action. Because we don't want to just be hearers of your word, God. We want to be doers. Help us to be your church. And everybody in this place said, amen. Amen. 
Now that was a heavy story, was it not? Huh? You're like, whoa, what's going on here? I thought the Bible wasn't R-rated, right? I mean, this is a little bit intense. So let's take a break from the story for a second. Okay, we'll come back to it and we'll sort of pick it apart here as we go. But first, let's talk about something else. Anybody here really bad with directions? Anybody? We got a few people. Okay, you are my people because I can identify to you guys, right? I mean, like when it comes to getting lost, I am probably the best at it when it comes to driving at least. Uh, I can remember one time I had to go uh, deliver something over in St. Cloud. We had picked up some some gym equipment from a gym over in St. Cloud and brought it to the cities for an event that we were going to be doing. And I had to return that equipment. And so I drove all the way to St. Cloud to drop off this gym equipment. And upon dropping it off at the gym... I hopped back into my truck, and I hopped on 94 to come back to the cities, and I drove for two hours, and then all of a sudden I had this feeling come over me like something wasn't right, and I realized something, the sign that I just went by said Fargo. And uh, I'm like, okay, (laughs) something is off here. And what's sad about that story is... uh, That is a common occurrence in my life. There was a time I was going to a a wedding over in Ohio and I had a whole bunch of people following me, but I was watching a video in the back seat of my car through my rear view mirror and and we took a wrong turn right at the very beginning and we found ourselves in a wrong state and had to literally take back roads and we were eight hours late to the destination. I was in the wedding. So uh, it worked out. It worked out. We had another time that I went to Texas with my buddy because my buddy had bought a Camaro out in Texas and he wanted me to help drive it back on a trailer and we we're going to be driving straight through. So we drove all the way down to Texas and we we're going to come all the way back and on the way back pulling this car. I happened to have my turn while he was sleeping. I missed my turn, right? <laughs> T- typical thing. We didn't realize it until he woke up and then all of a sudden we had to once again backtrack all the way to Minnesota, pay through, pay for a whole bunch of tolls that we weren't supposed to pay for and, and, and the list goes on and on. When I was working irrigation, there was a time where I ended up in Wisconsin and we don't work in Wisconsin. We work in Minnesota. I'm like, how'd I end up over here? It's just a story. I mean, I could go on and on with stories like this of times where I have been lost. But the good news is this. I did not get lost all those times without learning something. There is some things that I have learned with my experiences of getting lost. Here's a few things. My top three things that I've learned about getting lost. One is we do not get lost on purpose. Okay. We don't. I mean, like, I mean, that would be stupid. I, I mean, I know some people think that I get lost on, on purpose, but I don't. It's, it's never on purpose. It's always on accident, regardless of what people say. We do not get lost on purpose. The second thing is this. We, do, we don't know when we're getting lost. I mean, I went two hours without knowing that I was lost. I was lost the moment I got on 94 because I was heading the wrong direction, right? But I didn't know that. It took me two hours before that feeling actually set in. It oftentimes goes something like this. You're just sort of driving along, right? And, and you're feeling good, but then all of a sudden there's a feeling that comes over you. And that feeling says, ah, you know what? I think something just, ah, it's just not really right. <laughs> Anybody ever had that feeling come? And then all of a sudden you see a sign that identifies your feeling was correct. And you're like, ah. I'm lost, right? But you don't know right away. It takes a moment before you get there. The other thing, the third thing is this. Whatever road we are on ultimately determines where we end up. 
The road matters. The road matters. And you can call this sort of like the path principle, right? The path principle says this. It says your direction determines your destination. Your direction determines your destination. That's what the path principle says. In culture, we like to push against that. We like to think that our intentions matter more than our direction. But that is not the way that it works. Matter of fact, if we are all to get together today and say, you know what, it's wintertime, let's all take a vacation, right? Let's go someplace warm. And so we think about it, we talk amongst ourselves, where should we go? Let's go to Key West, Florida, right? There's beaches there, there's sand, there's ocean, like, let's go, let's go. And, 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 and we all get together, we pack our bags, and we get out there, and we hop in a van, a church van that we don't own, but we all hop into the church van, and, and, and I'm going to be the driver, uh, unfortunately for you, and, and we're going to go, we're going to get to a warm climate, and we have out and we start heading the wrong direction. We start heading north. And you notice that. You're going to speak up, aren't you? If I'm driving and we're heading north, but in our minds, our intention, my intention, your intention is that we're going to Key West, Florida to go enjoy the sun and the ocean and stuff like that. You're going to speak up, aren't you? Why? Because you know, no matter how good my intention is, we're not going to get there heading north. We're going to get to colder climate, and that's not good. So you're going to speak up and redirect my path, right? That's just the way that it works. You're going to speak up. The path principle applies to so much more than driving, though, right? It applies to other areas of our life. It it applies to our dating lives. There's a path principle to the way that we date, Right? When we're single. There's a path principle to our marriage. If you're married, there's different paths that you can go on within your marriage. There's a path principle to friendships. Who you surround yourself. Your five friends. Your five closest friends. You will be an average of who those people are. That's the path principle. A path principle of school. Where where are you going to go to school? All those kind of things. And and what your career. A path principle for your career. You get a job. Like are you going to go up? Are you going to go over here? Are you going to change paths? Uh, There's a path principle to parenting. When it comes to raising your kids, you got, you know, these 12, until until they're 18, 18 years before they're out of the house and and who they're going to become and what, what, where where do you want them to be by that time? Like there's a path principle to our parenting styles. There's a path principle to even retiring. When do you want to retire? Like if you're going to retire, well, you better be on the right path that's going to get you to that place so that you can, right? So there's all these path principles that we have to pay attention to because all paths Function with a simple principle. And the principle is, it is your direction, not your intention. It is your direction, not your hopes. It is your intention or your direction, not your dreams. That is going to get you to the right place. See, even when it comes to your prayers, you can pray all you want. You can have faith and believe all you want. But your direction will always trump your prayers And your belief. Because direction matters. Direction will have the ultimate say in where your end destination will be. See, if you watch people, you will see people actually try to disconnect from this principle altogether. Have you ever watched someone from afar, and, or maybe not afar, but they actually come and they start talking to you? Maybe it's one of your friends. You, I mean, we all have people like this in our life where they want to get together for coffee because i got to tell you something. 
And they get, you get together to, for coffee with them and you're hanging out with them and they're, they're telling their story. They're devastated. It's, you won't believe what happened to me. And they begin to tell you the story. And as you listen to the story, it doesn't take long where you sit there and you're like, okay, like I see that path. I see that path. I see that path. Okay, well, now I'm getting a little bit confused. What did you expect to happen, right? Like, what did you expect to happen? Like, you, like there was a path that you were on, and, and something was bound to go wrong. My sister was telling a story about herself the other day where she was out in Colorado, and she got this great idea that she was going to run across the lake that was frozen in high heels, she ran as fast as she could. She get out to the middle of this small little lake and guess what happens? Her path led her to a place where the ice was not like Minnesota ice. I don't know what she was thinking. Boom, she goes through. She can't touch. She's out there literally fighting for her life trying to bust through the ice to get to the shore. Almost, I mean like that was a bad situation. I'm like, I thought I raised you better than this as an older brother, right? Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> Robin, if you ever hear that, I'm sorry, but it's true. Ah, so here's the deal. The path matters, right? What did you expect? It, it oftentimes, it often happens because even though it seems like simple mathematics for the path, the person that's in the middle of it, they're not thinking straight. They don't see straight. They don't see where it's leading. But the person that is removed, the person that's up above a little bit, looking down, they can see things a little bit different. And they can put the pieces together to realize the path, the action that you're taking is leading to whatever the outcome's going to be, right? Which is why we're talking about what we're talking about today. Because when we go back to the story that we just got done reading in Proverbs chapter 7, we see several things that play into this path principle. Proverbs is an amazing book, and it was written by one of the wisest men to ever walk on this earth. His name was Solomon, King Solomon. And it would be wise for us to listen to the wisest man to ever walk on the earth, right? He had some wise things. These are some of the things that he wrote down. And so we want to pay attention to what he says. Now, in the text that we're reading today or looked at today, we see that he is actually talking to his sons. His sons who someday will eventually, hopefully, one of them become king themselves. And so he wants to impart his wisdom upon them. And as he is talking to his sons, he begins to tell them a story. A story of a time where he was standing, looking out his window down on the streets, and he saw a young guy walking along. As this guy walked along, right away, he realizes something about this young man. This man is on a path. That is leading him to a place where the outcome is not going to be good. It's like that time that you were watching a friend from a distance. You're watching from a distance and they start to date somebody. Ever, anybody remember this? You're watching somebody and they, they're like, man, I really like that guy. I really like that girl. And I mean, you see that I was a youth pastor. I watched this on the regular, right? Where they, they get this crush and it's like, oh, you're watching. It's like, man, you're on a path. I know he's good looking. I know she's good looking, you know, like, but I'm telling you, like, they're going to be trouble. And you can see it, right? 
It, it, it's, it's like that time where somebody gets a job at work and they're working with you and, and, and all of a sudden you start to notice something where they begin to slack and they're slacking in this area and slacking in that area and, all, and they think nobody's going to notice and yet you're picking up all the slack. But finally, there comes a moment where somebody notices and you know that day was going to come. You just wondered when, right? It, it, it's like that time where, where you're sitting there and, and you're like watching somebody and they just keep spending and you're watching the things that they're buying. They buy, buy this and they buy that. And, and, you, and you're like, okay, like, I, I guess you have a really good job. But then you also know that they have a job that pays about what your job pays. And, and, and you're like, I just don't know where all that money's coming from. And, and you don't want to judge them, you know, but you know that. And then all of a sudden you watch. And sure enough, a little while later, they're starting to get things repossessed. And they're, they're, they're struggling financially. Why? Because they weren't being wise. They're on a path that led them to a bad outcome. See, as you watch people, you can see the direction that a lot of them are heading. And when you're removed, a lot of times, and you watch, you can see things that are very, very clear to you. And you wonder, how did they not see it? How did they not see it? And this is what's happening with King Solomon. He's looking down and he's like, man, I can see this so clearly. This young man, he's, he's heading for trouble. He, he's going someplace he doesn't want to go. And so as he begins to narrate the story to his sons, he, he wants them to see the, the, the path principle laid out in this young man's life. And so going back to the story here in Proverbs chapter 7, we'll pick it up with verse 6 through 7. It says, at the window of my house, I looked down through the... the Window, okay. Well, I'm going to call it a window. I saw a young. I saw. I saw among the simple. I noticed among the young men a youth who had no sense. Let's stop there. There's a takeaway here. Youth lack judgment. <laughs> youth lack judgment. Now, before you guys get all mad at me, I know we got some teenagers in here today. Uh, here's the deal. If I would have heard that as a teenager, I would have been all upset. I would have thrown it out. I would have said, you don't know me, right? Like I would have got all mad. But here's the deal. The truth of the matter is when you are young, you do. You lack judgment because you lack two things. You lack time and you lack experience. And those are two things that allow you to have judgment. And you can't get mad at me because I still consider myself youthful. And so I still lack a lot of judgment. Just ask my wife. And so here's the deal. Like, it, it's true. You lack judgment when you are young. And so it's important if you are young to literally go and find somebody and surround yourself with somebody who has judgment. Somebody that's older. Somebody that's farther along the journey than you are. Right? Because if you can find somebody who has judgment, it's going to help you on your own path. It's going to keep you from doing things that lack judgment. Right? And so find those people. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to age and when it comes to finding judgment, there is a physical age that matters. But there's also a spiritual age that matters. You can find Christ at 50 years old and be very young spiritually and have a teenager that has more judgment than you have because they've been walking with Christ since they were five years old. Right? And so there, there's a spiritual age that we need to pay attention to as well as the physical age. Back to Solomon's narration of the story. Verse 8, he says, He was going down the street near the corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight. As the day was fading, as dark of night set in. 
You can sort of feel the tension in the story start to heat up right here. You, you don't have to be a Bible scholar in order to know that something's not going to go right. Right? And like this isn't going to be good for this young man. But you have the young man and he's walking down the street. The sun's setting and he, he's, he's headed down towards this certain woman's house. Right? He, in his mind, he's just going out on the town. He's going out to enjoy the evening, enjoy the night. I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to have some fun tonight. And so this is where I'm headed. And his intention wasn't to go do a whole bunch of bad things. He's just going out on the town. He's going to have a good time. And yet up in the window, Solomon is looking down and he's seeing something totally different. There is a big difference from what Solomon is seeing and the young man is seeing. The young man is seeing something about having fun tonight. Solomon is saying, no, it's not just about tonight. This is actually going to be about your tomorrow. It's going to be about your future. Because the decisions that happen tonight will affect the future. It will affect your tomorrow. You're on a path. And the outcome's not going to be good. The story continues, verse 10 through 15. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She is unruly and defiant, and her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the square, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him, and with a brazen face said, Today I fulfilled my vows, and I have food from my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and I found you. So what's going on here? Basically, this is what's happening here. She's explaining to this young man that she is not a prostitute. I have plenty of money. This isn't about me getting your money. I have plenty of that at home, right? I got all that taken care of. But there's another thing here that she said that was a little bit odd. She said, today I fulfilled my vows. That's a weird thing to say. What's that mean? Well, what that means is, is in that time period, people would actually go to the temple in order to get everything squared away with God. And so what she was saying there when she said that she had fulfilled her vows is she's saying, I have went to the temple. I have taken my sins to the altar. That big bucket of sin that I, have, I was carrying around, I dumped it all out on, at God's feet. And God has forgiven me from all my past mistakes, all my past sins. So guess what? I'm sin free. I got an empty bucket. Let's have some fun. Now we can go home to my house and we can play around a little. Now we can do some things because I got a bucket to fill back up before I go do my vows again. Right? That's what's going on. And this is such an insult to her God. This is such an insult to God. This is something that we too have a tendency to do things like this. Right? We think that we can work the system on our God. I know this thing is wrong. I know this thing is sin. But I know what I'll do. I'll just, I'll do it. And then I'll ask for forgiveness for it. And he's God and he has to forgive me. So therefore, I'll be okay. And now I can do the thing that's fun. The thing that feels good. I can do this thing. And I won't have to pay the penalty. Right? Because God will forgive me of it. And that will allow me to keep on doing these things that I know to be wrong. That's the game that this woman is playing here. And here we are thousands of years later. And we have a tendency to still play the same game. And then she says this, verse 15. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and I found you. Remember back to those days when you were pursuing somebody, right? 
You see them across the room, they catch your eye, you're like, oh man, they're good looking, right? She's fine, oh man, he's hot, you know, like, gosh, oh, how am I gonna, oh, you know, and it's like, you can feel the sweaty palms, you can feel the heartbeat, and it's like, man, what a good guy, you know, like, but then it, it's like, you've noticed them, you've seen them, but then the fear is they'll never see you. They'll never notice you, right? But then when that moment comes where they acknowledge you, they talk to you, they, they, they actually seem like they're maybe even a little bit flirting with you. It's like all of a sudden you go from here to here. You're on cloud nine. You're fluttering around. You're like, man, this is good. They, they noticed me. She noticed me. He noticed me. She came out looking for me, right? I mean, this is unbelievable. Could it get any better? I went out on the town just to have some fun. And this girl noticed me. I mean, ah, oh, come on. This is exciting stuff. Verse 16 through 18. I have covered my bed with colorful linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with mirth, mirth, aloes, and cinnamon. I can't say that word. Come, let's drink deeply to love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. I mean, this guy's thinking, man, I, I, I must be dreaming, right? I must be dreaming. Can this get any more perfect? I mean, she desires me at the greatest intent. My luck has turned. I've found true love, right? I mean, this is exciting for this young man, but Solomon's up there and he's, he's, he's saying, I don't think so. Matter of fact, this is the moment where Solomon gets into some very strong language. He says this in verse 19 through 29. He says, my she says, my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. Then is Solomon gets really intense. He says, with persuasive words, she led him astray. She subdued him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierced his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. So while this guy is thinking he's a rock star, like he's got it going on, Solomon is looking down and he's saying, no, you're like an ox going to the slaughter. No, you're like a, a deer that has stepped in a noose and you're just waiting for the arrow to pierce your liver. You're like a bird. You're like a bird that has got darted into a snare. And you don't even know that that snare is going to cost you your life. I mean, things just got extra heavy right here. Things got really heavy. But this is how serious the path principle is, guys. See, the young man is focused on his here and his now. On what feels good. But the wise man is focused on his tomorrow. And what is done in the here and now is going to affect this young man's tomorrow. After seeing the story unfold, Solomon turns off the narrating of the story and then he begins to address his sons because the whole reason he told the story in the first place was to get some wisdom poured into his sons. He doesn't want his sons to make the mistake. So he says to his sons in verse 24 through 27, he says, Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down her 
her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. Solomon is basically saying this. He says, don't think this is a one-time deal. A one-time thing. Don't think that the path that you're on in the here and now is not going to affect your tomorrow because it will. See, if you step away from all the emotions and all the feelings in, of the moment, if you get up here to the window and look down from up here, you're going to see the path, the path, the, 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 the principle, the path principle. You're going to see that in motion, motion and it's going to be so clear to you. It's going to be laughable if you can get up here. Get away from the emotion. Get away from the feelings. You're going to look down and you're going to say, ah, not going that way. Don't play the fool, guys, he says. Don't play the fool. Be wise. Get up in the right place. Get on the right path because what is done today is going to affect your tomorrow. It always has and it always will. I already said this, but this was literally written thousands and thousands of years ago. And yet it still applies to us here today. We see people dealing with the same situations here today. They're on a path, right? The path has a destination. That destination is literally determined by the path principle, right? We all deal with these kinds of situations in our life. Let's make sure that we are not like an ox going to the slaughter. Not like a deer that's caught in a noose waiting for an arrow to hit its liver. Not a bird that's getting caught in a snare. Let's be wise to the path that we travel on. And in order to do so, we need to be careful with what we listen to that's being said to us from culture. Because culture is pushing us in a different direction. One of the things I often hear when I'm scrolling through Instagram or just out and about, I'll hear people say things like this. As long as your intentions are good, it doesn't really matter what path you take. That's basically what's being said, right? In the end, if your intentions are good, in the end, it will all work out. Don't listen to that. Because the path you take will always trump those good intentions. Just look at this guy in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 7. It, it was his path that determined the outcome. Which eventually cost him his life. So let's play this out in our daily lives. How does a path principle work for us? Man, the list goes on and on. But let's just give a few. Going back, we've talked a little bit about just sort of dating. If you're single... And you're looking to find that one, right? You have somebody that you desire. You want to find somebody who believes the way that you believe. Well, if you're saying yes to dating a whole bunch of people that don't believe the way that you believe, guess what? You're on a path. And you're probably not going to find somebody that shares the same faith as you. If you're saying yes just to anybody, right? It's the path principle. If you're married... You would never, if you're married, you would never have an intention of cheating on your wife. But if you're at work and you're going out with the same person over and over and over and over again, and she is all of a sudden doesn't want anybody else to come, hey, let's just go and let's just go, and you're, you're writing it off as just work. And when it started, it might have been innocent, but if it keeps going, there's a path that can lead to an affair. If you're not careful, if you don't set up boundaries to protect yourself, right? You, you want to know God more? It's like you, you have this intention. You're like, man, I just want to know God like they know God. I know some people and they are so close to God. You can just sort of sense it. You can sort of feel it. And it's like, man, I want to be like that. 
I know that they read the Bible every day. I know they spend time in prayer. And so, so I mean, that's, that's really cool. They, they're just so closely connected to God. And then you wake up morning after morning. And the first thing that you do is you just sort of go to Facebook, Instagram, or maybe TikTok, right? And you just scroll. It's like, okay, all right. Social media is filling you up. Well, that path is probably not going to lead you to the same place that reading the Bible and prayer would, right? See, there's so many paths that you can take. And oftentimes we find ourselves sometimes on paths we don't even know where they're heading. Reed, you can come on up. And this is why it's so important. I mean, you can be on a path and you're just heading in a bad direction. And you don't even know it because you don't even know where the path goes. And this is why it's so important to find people in your life that are up here from the window looking down. Someone that's farther along the journey than you. Somebody who can literally, who's literally put in the time, put, learn from their experiences. If you can find those kind of people, you need to ask them about the path that you're traveling on. What do you think about the path I'm tra- traveling on? Do you, do you see any dangers that I'm not seeing? Is there any advice that you could maybe offer to me as I travel this path? Will you pray with me as I try and make the decision here? And then maybe you'll be bold enough to ask them if you trust them and if they've earned you that trust, then you can maybe ask them to, will you speak up if you see me making a mistake, if you see me taking a path that I shouldn't be on, will you call me on it? And here's the thing. If you have the courage to ask somebody to call you on it, then you have to have the courage to literally hear them when they speak wisdom into your life. Because when they do, it's because they see something that you don't see. And the only reason they speak hard truths is because, well, They care enough to speak the hard truths. And so we need to make sure that we take the time to hear it. When it comes to traveling past, there is somebody who sees the future better than anybody else. We all know who that is. It's God. God sees it better than anybody else. The reason he sees it better is because he knows all and he sees all. He's the one who made you. He's the one who unconditionally loves you. He's the one who wants the best for you. He's the one who's literally there cheering you on. So I just want to take a moment. Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, that's great and all, but I I wouldn't even know his voice. I wouldn't know what path he's pointing me on because I don't have a relationship with him. And we do this every week. We always give an opportunity. And so... I want to give you an opportunity to get to know him, to step into a relationship with him. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe there's somebody here that doesn't have a relationship with God, but you're just listening to this and you're realizing, yeah, I'm on several paths. and I would love to know what God thinks about the path that I'm heading on. And Well, the first step is saying yes to him. So if you're here today and you would like to say yes to him being your Lord and Savior, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Is there anybody? I see that hand. Awesome. Awesome. So cool. Lord, I pray, Father, for this, these individuals that raise their hand. I just pray, Father, Lord God, that you will just be with them. That as they do that, I pray, Father, that you'll begin to speak to them, that you'll begin to show them your ways. And, and Lord, this relationship will become deeper. 
I pray this in Jesus' mighty, powerful name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Here's the thing. With the, with the cue, we always want to give a cue, an action step that we can take out of here. And I just will be really quick with it as we've went over our time. But here's the cue that I want you to take. We don't want to be hearers of God's word. We want to be doers. And so my cue is this. If our path determines our destination, I want us to go and ask God to give us insight to see where we are and where we're not. And then when we've done that, then let's pray for him, for God to give us the courage to do something about it. To redirect, to get on the right path, to course correct. And so that's our cue, our action step for the week. But we're over our time. And so rather than taking a moment here, I'm just going to close in prayer over all of us. But I really, really believe that this is something that can affect our future. And I'm excited for part two. And I'm excited to continue on in this series. Lord, I just thank you. That you are a God that loves us and a God that will literally show us the paths that we're on and that we should be on. And as I pray, Father, as we take this to you and as we look for your insight, Lord, I pray, Father, that you'll give it, that you'll make it clear, and that you'll help us to do the course correcting that is necessary to be on the path that you want for our lives. Because we know that you want what is best for us. We thank you for that. And we thank you that we, with your help, will be able to make the course correcting that is needed in Jesus' mighty, powerful name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen.